What are y'all afraid of? Snakes, spiders, the unknown. The, <laughs> the undead. What else? Let me hear it. Anybody else have any fears? Hell, okay. Rejection. Oh gosh, okay. I hear that. That's uh that's gotta be a pretty pretty common fear. Anyone else? Fear of loss of control. Okay. Well, you know, Halloween was this past week. Is there any, any of y'all grow up enjoying Halloween? Yes, no, no, okay. Everyone has different views and opinions about it, likes or dislikes. But uh, Halloween was this past week, and um, certainly Halloween has its fun side to it, you know, when it comes to the, the trick-or-treating and the candy and parties and candied apples and all that kind of stuff. But it also does include a couple of other themes like, like fear, okay, obviously, with what we just talked about with the video, and, and hiding. Fear and hiding kind of seem to kind of come around this time of year. And then you've got on TV every, every kind of Halloween special and scary movie and all that kind of stuff. Anybody scary movie people? My daughter is a huge scary movie person and watches stuff that I would just cannot handle, you know? I'm one of the old school guys that likes the cheesy scary stuff. You're just like, oh, that's not real and doesn't even look real, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't really, you know, no, I mean, there's, there's some aspect of people want to be scared, but they don't really want to, not when it comes to reality, not when it comes to real life. This Halloween um, for Diane and I was this past Thursday. It was scary for me, but for a different reason. Um, in, uh, in our neighborhood on Thursday night, we had gotten that you can't just not participate in Halloween in our neighborhood because, you know, kids are going to come and knock on the door. So it's like, come home with this big bag of Halloween candy and we're ready for it. You know, it's, by the way, Halloween in some regard, even though it's, uh, there's a difference of opinion about the, ho- the holiday, is kind of unique in one regard. It's probably the only time of the year, if you think about it, that Americans will willingly open their doors to strangers. Mm. You know, people they don't know, you know, yeah, come on in, and they give them stuff. You know, because I'm I'm an introvert, I don't have a garage, but if I did, I would be like a lot of other Americans. I would drive into my garage. When I got home, the garage door would come down. I'd be in my house. The garage door would come up. I'd leave, and I wouldn't have to talk talk to anybody. That's like an introvert's dream. Anybody in here an introvert, by the way? All right, there's a few of us in here. So it's like, you know, we just would rather not deal with the public, but this is, it's miraculous in that regard, just complete Everybody opens up their doors to complete strangers. Well, what happened for us, I had the, the bag of candy, I was ready for all this. I'm not thrilled with everybody continually coming to the door all, all night long, so I try to let Diane handle that kind of stuff, you know. I'll make dinner, you handle all that kind of stuff. Well, it started raining. I don't know what it did downtown, you know, but it was raining bad in Lexington. What's that? And in Chapin, apparently. <laughs> Well, it wasn't just raining. All of a sudden, our phones uh, go off, and there was this tornado alert, you know? It, I mean, when it's an actual warning, that means that eyeballs have seen it. You know, it's not a tornado watch. It's a tornado warning. And so we're like, oh, well, I usually do what I do when I see this. I ignore it. 
That's what I normally do. Whatever. I'm not one of these guys that's afraid of weather. But all of a sudden, it was like the rain's coming down hard. Big deal. The rain starts moving like circular. I don't know how close it got to us, but there was a tornado in our neighborhood or it was above us. It was about to touch down. I don't know. To the point that Diane and I went and hid in our bathroom, which is one of our bathrooms, which is underneath this stairwell. So it's like the set, very center of the house. Like I could only totally imagine if it, it hit, really hit the house, it'd be like us in this little stairwell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> left. So, I mean, for me to get in there, I was like, this is serious. And so we hear this big, this big thud. I'm like, oh no. And it, it kind of died down and it was still raining and Diane's still in the bathroom, but I'm venturing out to go look and see what's happening. And uh, there's, we go out, I go outside to look around our house to see I'm, our trash can is blown into the middle of the road. Uh, but the, the real thing was we had this massive tree that if, if three of us got together with our hands, we couldn't really hug it out behind our house. And this branches, they go over the top of the house, which is nice if you're a, a Yankee like me and you want it to be cool because it has like shade everywhere. It's a big old oak tree until one of those branches. This is a big, healthy tree. I don't know if it was maybe this big around, but it busted and fell down like this. Another tree caught it, thankfully. Otherwise, it would have just smacked and slammed against the side of the house. But there's this big... <laughs> huge branch of this massive tree just literally suspended unless the contractors are already there cutting it down hanging outside of our house crazy so it wasn't the typical typical halloween it was it was fear for <laughs> for a different reason you know when i was a when i was a kid my dad on halloween liked he loved halloween he, he liked to, to make these things called string walks. You probably never even heard of it. Yeah, I already see the face like, what are you talking about? Well, my dad had this idea for a haunted house. Maybe he came up with this idea. Basically, like taking the idea of a haunted house outside. Okay, not a corn maze. But he would take a string and he would wrap it around his tree. And he'd take it from one tree to the next to this tree. And we had, you know, like acres of property where I, when I was a kid. And, and up this hill and wherever, and he, he put the string out, and then along different areas, he would have like a graveyard here, or he'd have another crazy scene over here, like you would typically see inside of a haunted house. Well, what was unique about it is because it was so dark, if it wasn't a, a moonlit night, the only way you knew where to go was just to hold on to that string. Go from one spot to the next and to the next. And then besides having these areas out there, you would also have people, like you would in a haunted house, roaming around. And so I remember we had this Halloween party this one night, and my dad said, bring some, invite some of your friends from school and all that. And, and so a bunch of my friends came over, and we're doing the string walk. I think my dad himself is the one that did this, but he jumps out to scare this girl. And she just screams and goes, ah, like pushes him away. And he falls down and she runs, just starts running. I don't even know where she thinks, she know where she's going. It's dark in the woods. She just starts running and like busts through all these strings that my dad has put up. So you can only imagine, you know, everyone else is all of a sudden in the pitch dark and the string's gone. 
Where do I go now? You talk about fear. I talk about fear. That's a crazy situation. So dealing with fear. There's another thing about Halloween, though, and it's just the idea of hiding. And, you know, if you think about it, um, and there's lots of ways that we hide. But in Halloween, uh, we've all probably worn a mask before, haven't we? Put on that mask, and it hides what's beneath. You don't know who it is that comes to your door. It could be anybody because of that mask. You know, you just, it's just, you know, oh, look, it's the president. Oh, look, it's Spider-Man. Oh, look, it's, you know, who, whoever. But there's this aspect of hiding that goes along with Halloween as well. So you have fear, you have hiding. I remember that uh, my grandparents had this uh, coffee house. It was a Christian coffee house. It was really cool. I grew up listening to Christian music. My dad was in a Christian band. And we'd have speakers come, and there'd be snacks and all kinds of crazy stuff, and just different people would hang out. It was just the, the, every Saturday evening when I was a kid, weekend after weekend, we'd go um, to what was called the, the upper room. It was upper room. It was this old barn that was that had a big stage, and it was just a really cool place, a coffee coffee house type feel to it. And every Halloween, they would invite people to come and to dress up as well, you know. And I always remember there was, this, uh, there was this one night where this guy would come and he, he was dressed up as a gorilla. I mean, like the whole suit gorilla, the mask and the suit. He was just walking around and I never, and, and my grandmother kept hiding it from me. You know, who's the gorilla? I could never figure out who the gorilla was and she didn't want to tell me because eventually I found out probably a year later it was my grandfather was wandering around as a gorilla, but nobody knew because of the mask. Fear is a part of Halloween, and hiding is a part of Halloween. And so, with that said, I want us to look at some scripture this morning that that addresses some cool issues. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to learn what, what what do we do with ourselves in this regard when it comes to God. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 4, we're going to look, start with verse 12. We've been talking for a, for a while about the Word of God. The Word of God being the Bible that you're holding in front of you, the, the things that God has to say to us. And this is another passage of Scripture that talks about that. And it says, for the Word of God, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you time to turn there. Hebrews 4, 12. If you need to turn to the contents or in the front. It's always good to kind of have it in front of you, isn't it? Who's got an NIV Bible this morning? You got NIV? I might ask you to... You got it too? NLT. NLT, okay. We might have a couple of different translations read here. It's all right. I had, I had trouble myself. I was flipping back and forth this morning. Where in the world did it go? They took it out. <laughs> Who moved the book of Hebrews? <laughs> you got it? Awesome. 
So Hebrews 4, 12, it says, For the word of God is living and active. I want to stop there for a second because when you read that, you need to understand something. The word of God, it's not, it's not just a book. Okay, it's not like a, you read a fiction book. You know, when you've, you've read a book before, maybe you've read a poem or something and it really moved, and you, moved you and you thought it was special. But the Word of God is living and active. It, it doesn't just move you, it, it speaks to you. It points out things to you. It's God speaking to you. This is the Word of God, God's words. And what's interesting about it is you can read the same part of the Bible many different times and each time you read it you see something new and he says something special to you in that moment that you needed to hear so it's living and, it, and it's active okay we, we talked about it was like a mirror when someone looks at their their face in the mirror they see what they look like for a reason so if my hair is out of place if i had any i'd fix it i'd i'd do something about it okay and the word of god is living and active some people say and this is i said this before shrek came out okay so this isn't a shrek thing how many have seen shreks okay good so i'm not crazy you know it's like an onion right you knew where i was going an onion has layers. There's, there's depth to it. The Word of God is like that. There's, there's one layer, and you go to the next layer, and there's more, and there's more, and you're like, holy crow! Which makes sense, right? Because there is depth to God, the one who made you, the one who made everything that we see, the one who made, who made us. There's a depth to it because, you know, when you, when you look at this right here, what is this? It's not a trick question. It's a finger, okay? This is my finger. And you'd say, all right, there's a finger. But there's more to that. If you really look at it, if you look closely, if, you had, if I had my glasses on, I'd begin to see, well, there's skin there, right? There's a nail there. I didn't pick my nose, so there's nothing else on there. <laughs> but if you look closer, there's a finger print. If you were to be able to look even deeper beyond that, you would see skin cells, you would see DNA. Beyond there, you would, see, you would see blood and you would see bone and you would see, in a molecular level, all these atoms and molecules and things that, that are held together. That you know, It's just deeper and it's deeper. But if you just take it and look on the outside, well, that's a finger. God's Word is living, it's active, it's deep, it moves within you, it says things to you. It says that it is sharper than any two-edged sword, okay? Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. So it, it gets to the very depth of who we are, to the very heart of who you are and it says this it says and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart it knows your thoughts it knows your heart it knows your motivations it knows the things that only no one else can see but you you know why did you do such and such you know the reason why everyone else will say well it's because of this or because of that or you know but you, you know, it's the inside, it's the internal part of you that no one sees and no one knows but you. The, the thoughts that go in your head that no one sees and they can't prove what you thought, right? I know what you're thinking, do you? You can't tell me what I'm thinking. 
How dare you? You don't know me. You don't know what's going on in here. But you know what? God does. He's the only other person who knows what's going on on the inside besides you. And when we read the Word of God, he said, God says, this is living, it's, it's active, it's sharper. I, I, I know the very thoughts and intentions. I know you. And this is why it's important. He says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but, but are all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God sees everything from the inside out. You know, when it comes to Halloween, we can, we can put on a mask, and we don't just wear masks at Halloween, we can wear masks a lot, right? We talked about this fear of rejection and how other people see us and how we look like from the outside, but God, God sees through all of that. I don't know if you've ever prayed like this before. Have you ever prayed and you talked to God and you were about to say something and you changed the way you were going to say it? <laughs> God knows, doesn't he? Isn't that silly to think, no, I'm not going to use that word. God, God already knows what you were thinking as you were formulating the thought in your head. There is nothing that's hidden. Nothing. Keep that in mind as we get to the end of this today because that's a scary thing sometimes, but it's also a very blessed thing at times. Because when you, you have those thoughts, you say, no one else gets me. No one else understands. No one else thinks the way. They, they don't see the inside. They can't figure me out. They don't, they don't understand what I've been through. They don't understand my pain. They don't understand my joys. They know nothing about me. There's nobody out there who gets me. I feel alone. I feel like this. But God does. He sees and He knows everything, every stinking thing. That's scary, but it's also exciting. So we can't, we can't hide anything from God. He knows the intentions. We're, 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 we're naked and exposed before Him. Before, it says, the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. The scary side first. The way that we live, the, the life that we have, the things, the way that we treat other people, the things we say, the, you know, who we are as a person, the Bible teaches that we give account to God. God has created us for the primary purpose of worshiping Him, of serving Him, of living for Him. But here's a problem. Every one of us have messed that up. We've all screwed that up. The Bible says, for all have sinned. Every, every one of us has. But knowing that, God loves us so much, we know this, right? We talked about John 3.16 last week, that he gave his very life for us to remove that sin that was separating us from him. It's like this, this wall that needed to be broken down so that there could be a connection. That's what the, the cross was about, was about removing sin, taking away the garbage so that the relationship could be restored. You, know, you think about it like, we don't always understand that when we talk about God, but we understand what garbage is like in, our, in relationships we have with others. There might have been somebody in your life that, that, that you love, but you said something to them, you did something to them, and because of that, there's been garbage between you. 
There's been crap that needed to be settled. And until it was settled, there, there was just no talking. I'm not having anything to do with that person, or that person's having nothing to do with me. And that's a difficult pain, and we think, what in the world can be, can be done about that? Relationships are separated by more than just walls and space. They're separated by, by problems and issues and things that have done. Those, those, that's a much bigger separation, isn't it? And Jesus, when he came and died on the cross for our sin, what that means is that he took care of those things. He, he made the first move, even though we were the ones, you know. Your mom ever, you ever get in trouble with a brother or sister? Your mom said, you better apologize right now, or you tell so-and-so you're sorry. You know. But I didn't do anything. Right? And maybe you really didn't in this case. And God certainly didn't, but he's the one that made the first move anyway. You know why? Because he loves you. Because the relationship that he wants to have with you is more important. He's always going to be right because he's God, he's perfect, but he loved the world, he loved all of us so much that he gave his life to be able to restore that relationship. Knowing at the same time, all the stuff that's hidden on the inside that nobody sees but us. He knows us to the core. But we give account to Him, but because of His love for us, we have a relationship with Him. That's pretty, pretty awesome. To what degree does God know us? I want us to, to take a look at another passage in the book of Psalms. Now, Psalms is a little easier to find if you kind of close your Bible and put your thumb right in the center, right? You should be able to find it a little easier because it's pretty big. We're going to look at Psalm 139. One thirty-nine, and we're going to start at verse 1. So I'm going to read to you from, I'm using the ESV. It says, oh, oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. He knows what time you got up this morning with an extra hour of sleep, by the way. And y'all must have just been excited to come to church because y'all were here early today, which is cool. Or you're just well rested. I don't know. He knows when you lay down. He knows when you get up. He says, you, uh, you discern my thoughts from afar. We just talked about that earlier. You search out my path and my lying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue. We were talking about this too, right? It's going to change what I was going to say when I was praying. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. I think this is just the idea of God just holding us. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. 
it is high and I, I cannot attain it. This is a psalm of David. He was talking about God and he's basically saying what we all think too. This is crazy kind of thoughts. I, I can't even begin to take all this in, that God would know me like that. Because we say things, but we don't think through things. Yes, God made me. Well, that's great, but, we, but it's like the same way of saying, that's a finger. Well, there's depth to that. So I, when, you, when we stop and really think about it, I, I can barely take all the sin. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? can't can't run away from God either. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which means the place of the dead, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. There's nothing dark enough that God can't see. It's like, in my mind, I know this is silly, but it's like he's got those goggles, you know, those snipers wear or something. He sees it all. I know that's a dumb illustration. But he sees it all. He sees you. This is cool. He says, for, for you formed... My inward parts, the inside of the finger, right, that we're talking about. The ins- all of us, you form me, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Let's stop there for a second. Fearfully and wonderfully made. It's a short tangent, but I don't know how you feel about yourself. I know what you think about yourself. Maybe you like yourself, maybe you don't like yourself. Because I've, I've certainly been in times where I didn't like myself. But God says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's the one that made us. He's the one that put us together. If he thinks that of you, what ought, what ought we think of ourselves? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! I love this. He says, if I would count them, they are more than the sand. The thoughts that God thinks of us, the time he spends thinking about us, considering us, the love that he shows for us, the thoughts outnumber the sand. I don't know if you're a beach person, but there's just, you know, there's no way. You go to the beach, you can count the the sand. It's impossible, right? But God knows. Those are the the number. He he has to use something for us to try to comprehend. It's even bigger than the sand. His thoughts for us, his love for us, is even bigger than if, if we could count the sand. 
but it has to put something in our minds to say, look, it's like this. You'll, you'll never count it, but I know. And I know you to the very core of who you are. Let's go back to Hebrews. I should have told you to keep your fingers stuck there. Now we're going to struggle to find it again, aren't we? Hebrews, back to Hebrews chapter 4. So God sees everything there is to see about us. He knows everything there is to know about us. And, and we could be afraid about that, but we can also actually instead be excited about that. Knowing if we understand the love of God. So you have to realize it's important that you understand what God is actually like. Because if you realize who God is like, if you know that he's a God who loves you, that cares about you, that gave his very, his very life to be with you, then all of this kind of comes together. It makes sense. Even though he knows all these things, he loves us. That takes the fear away. You know, someone has probably told you before, you can tell me anything. And then you did, and then you regretted it. <laughs> oh, you just meant accept that. God can take it. He loves you. So, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4 again. We're going to look at verse 14 and 15. It says, shared all this stuff. He knows all these things. Since then... We have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Or let us hold strong to our faith. Now, we're, we're reading a particular passage just plucked kind of out of the whole book of Hebrews, so I'm trying to give you some background here. But the high priest is Jesus, okay? Let us hold fast to our confession. Let us hold fast to our faith. Someone with the NIV, read verse 14 for me. Go. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let's hold firmly to the faith that we profess. And it's going to go on, okay? Because it says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. It's a pretty incredible passage, isn't it? God's not up there looking at you and all your thoughts and all the things you've been hiding from the rest of everybody else and saying, why am I? You know? Because if some of us had that information about so-and-so, then we would be, you know, blackmail might come in. What can I get from this person? You know? Did you know, since you looked at me giggling, that Taylor, blah, 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 you know, 
What, do you, what you don't know about David over here is, uh-huh, and Sky knows it all probably. That's his wife. Yeah, and she still loves him. I don't, I don't get it, but hey. No, I do. You're a good man. You're a good man. God, God knows all these things about you. He's, he, he does. He, he, he's not unsympathetic to your struggles. And what's cool is, is that, you know, we, we look at temptations we've gone through and, and trials that we've had, and we think, I, I just don't know any way to get through it. I, you know, God understands what it's like to, to see our weakness. In every respect, it says that he was tempted as we are, yet, yet he, he didn't fall. It's perfect. And what's, what's cool about being a Christian, about salvation, is this. It's, it's that literally that Jesus lived the perfect life. If you were to look at it like school and look at report cards, if you will, uh, to have that, you know, uh, mine's pretty messed up. Stuff I've done in my life, you know, there's, there's a lot of F's in there. If you get lower than an F, I don't know what that would be. Is that a G? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's F and then there's G for good grief. You know? But, you know, and what, what Jesus does is, of course, Jesus' report card or, or A++, you know, if there was such a thing, literally takes ours and tears it up and, 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 and gives us his A's. We, we walk around with his righteousness. As believers, we are forgiven that the past, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, one of my favorite passages, that the old is gone. That old report card is gone. The old life, the stuff, and the mistakes, everybody wants to bring up a point that God already knows about, by the way. There's nothing hidden from Him. There's no one that's going to say, oh yeah, but God, you forgave her, but you didn't know about this. He knows it all. That's gone. Forgiveness and grace means that the past is gone. The Bible says that your sin is as far away from Him as the east is from the west. How far away is the east from the west? It's, it's eternal. They won't touch. Your past is forgiven because of God. The old is gone and the new has come. That new is Christ's righteousness. The way that he sees you is if he's looking at Jesus himself. You're not Jesus. You're never going to be Jesus. Don't get me wrong. But your life, the way he sees you, is you are a forgiven child of God. And when I just say that statement, it's like, finger, there's depth to that. There's depth. Because in being a child of God, there is a life that is rich and full and bright and amazing. And, and that's, that's, that's really what the Oliver Gospel mission is, is trying to, to tell people is that there is more to life than your struggles and your past and all these things. If, if you would truly follow Christ, there is a, a life unimaginable. If you would truly get connected with the God of all creation, 
is like nothing you've ever experienced before. The old is gone and the new has come. We have a God who sympathizes with our weakness. He understands our struggles. He understands the trials that we've gone through. And knowing that, let's look at the next verse. It says, then, because of that, right, in verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. With confidence, let us come to God, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God knows everything there is to know about you, but because you realize that he loves you, because you understand that he gave his life for you, confidently come to God. Come before him with boldness. Come before him knowing that he loves you and that he's for you, that he's got your back. Because the old is gone. That's a different kind of life. You want to know freedom? There's someone that knows everything about you and loves you anyway. And then says even more, I'm going to walk with you through life. Here I am. I'm never going to turn my back. I'm never going to walk away from you. We approach God with confidence. We have his mercy and grace in this time of need. The real question that I have for us this morning is, is this, is that are you fully presenting yourself to God? Are you giving yourself fully to God or are you trying, or there are parts of your life that, that you hold back? You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Christians that have, have made a decision to follow Jesus, but they only want to talk with God, if you will, and include Him in part of their life. You know, it's like if your life was a, a pizza, okay, with eight slices. It's usually eight slices for a large pizza. How do I know that? I love food. <laughs> and we give God this this piece of the slice and maybe this one over here, but the rest of it's mine. And there might be some things that we foolishly think we're kind of holding back and hiding from God, which is silly as we've realized. He knows it all anyway. Are you fully, you know, engaged with God? Have you fully given yourself completely to Him? It's like, you know, you, you ever been swimming before? Maybe you like the water, maybe you don't like the water. I don't know. There's some people, since we're talking about the sand and the thoughts that God has for you, you know, there's even more sand in, in the water. Some people that kind of walk up and the waves come up and they go back like this and they go back down. Some people that get in there and let the waves just kind of touch their feet. Well, there's others that, that, that just jump on in fully. Every aspect of who we are, every part from head to toe, we need 
to turn over to the Lord. We need to, when, when we talk about life is, is worship, it's, it's every aspect of life. Everything we do, everything we say, every, every action that we're a part of, everything belongs to God. If there are parts of our life that he's left out of, it's, it's, it's just, it doesn't connect, it's not right, it doesn't make sense. All of us, who we are as children of God, needs to be fully invested in, in God. Everything. It's only, the only time we get in, in trouble, so to speak, is, is when there are parts of our life that we haven't given to him. You know, that's where the song that we were singing, you know, talking about, you know, I surrender. What does surrender mean? Surrender means there's nothing in your hands, right? When, 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 cops, when cops come and they put your hands up, you know, and you, when they say, I surrender, they walk out with what? They drop their weapons or whatever they're holding, you know, and their hands are up. There's a reason why people worship God with upraised hands. We're exposed. There's nothing we're holding on to. It's all about Him, isn't it? That's important because this last verse, we're just going to put it on the screen. Roman, uh, John 10.10 10, talks about the devil, talks about Satan. He's called a thief in this particular passage. A thief because he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to, what he's stealing is life. He's trying to, to, to take life away from you, not just physical life, but, but life in all its fullness. He's come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to tear it all down. But Jesus says, I came that they may have life. I came that they may have life. Jesus is about life. And he doesn't just say life. He emphatically says, and have it abundantly. He doesn't want you just to exist. He wants you to have abundant life. Life in all its fullness. You know, this is probably a dumb illustration. I don't know, but I, I've been working on our house and, and, and I had to and, and put our TV on the wall. And that's not an easy task necessarily and getting it wired right and we were joking about that earlier. But what if you, you know, you had that TV, you got this real nice fancy TV and in, in a world of a million channels, you just got one. Seems like such a waste, doesn't it? All you can watch on there, of course, they've gotten better. Let's say it was just, pub, you know, public TV. <laughs> You're laughing over there. But that, that TV is capable of so much more. It's capable of, of flipping to, you know, hundreds and thousands, if you had a satellite dish, thousands of channels. Abundant life is more than one channel. Abundant life is, is everything that God has for you. Every channel. Every channel, yeah. Maybe, again, not the best illustration, but it, but it, but it opens that, you know what I'm saying? We've got we to gotta realize how big God really is. It's not just, again, finger. There is depth to God. The one who made you, the one who formed you, the one that shaped you, wants you to really live to have abundant life. 
The only way that you understand what abundant life is, is in being connected with Him. If you are separating yourself from God, you are separating yourself from life. He is the very source of life. If you want to understand and live a full life, you want to get as close as you possibly can to God. Not closing off parts of ourself. This morning, I want to ask you to bow your head for a second, close your eyes just to kind of give you an opportunity to think and to be quiet. Maybe there's a part of, you know, part of your pizza, a part of your life that you haven't been giving to him. You've been holding back. First of all, remember that he sees it all anyway. But I want to encourage you this morning just to talk with him. And if, and if there are some areas of your life that you need to just turn over to him today, just do that right now. It's as simple as, as that act of the will. Lord, I give you myself. I give you my life. I give you all of me. I give you every part, every piece. Forgive me for the areas I've been holding back. Lord, this morning we do give ourselves to you. Lord, I, I give myself to you afresh today. Lord, please help me to, to honor you with every aspect of who I am. Every part of my life. Lord, you know it all. Lord, we give ourselves to you. Lord, let us truly experience the abundant life that you have for us. Lord, here we are, surrendered. Nothing in our hands, but our, but our hands raised to you. Lord, I lift my hands to you. I love you. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you come before you. Thank you for the love and the grace that you show us. We thank you, Lord, that you know everything there is to know about us and you love us anyway so, so much. More than anybody. Lord, let us truly worship you not just on Sunday morning, but with our life, with all that we are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.